<laughs> Sometimes we have to do that. So we're at the end of Haggai, and uh, we're just going to look at the last three verses tonight. I entitled it The Grand Sum of It All because really I believe that the whole crux of this book is summarized right here in the last three verses. The whole reason why this book is just placed here in the Word of God is just to remind us of one grand thing. And um, let's look and see what that is. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, the word of the Lord came to Haggai second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel. Son of Shetel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. So last week we looked at um, Haggai's sermon, and, and it was the third sermon, and tonight it's the very, very last one that he preached. He preached four in the course of just those few months. And um, this sermon was spoken on the very same day as last week. So in one day, he gave them a coffee break or a bathroom break and said, hurry up and come back. I have something very important to share with you. And so it, it was something evidently that was, was quite vital to him that he saved it for last. I, I'd rather would say, while I'm saying he saved it for last, it was really God's final grand grand conclusion but he wanted them to know that listen your present day circumstances aren't the end of it all the the circumstances that you are facing right now that's not the final end there is a, a day that is coming there is something that is appointed to take place and it is going to be when our messiah will reign and he will establish his kingdom and it's this is the message that Haggai is bringing to the people here are the jewish people smack dab and in the middle of their destroyed kingdom, they come back and they have to restore their temple. They have to rebuild their temple. They're struggling through this rebuilding phase as we have looked at throughout the, the, the weeks. They, they struggled with discouragement. They, they struggled with, with their priorities being misplaced. And, and, and God is sending Haggai and he has this message, this grandson to say to them, the kingdom that is coming is never going to be destroyed what you see now is not a true representation of what is coming it's not a true representation of what you can expect you are going through problems now you have faced discouragement now you have faced trials now you have faced the enemy attacks and him subtly coming in but i want to let you know that there's a better kingdom coming your way. There is a there's a better story, and it ends very well. In Haggai 21 and 22 of chapter 2, he says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I am going to overturn every royal throne. I am going to shatter the powers of the foreign kingdoms. This can only be done through God. 
only be done through God. I will overturn, overthrow chariots and their drivers. And so God is affirming his people through Haggai that he's going to prove himself supreme over every governmental authority, over every power. I am the supreme power. I rule and reign over all. There's no army that is stronger than I, and there's no governmental power that is stronger than I. I am the ultimate power, and I am going to shake everything. You know, compliments flatter us. Somebody can say to you, oh, you look nice in those glasses. Oh, you look nice in that hairdo. But encouragement infuses us. It's like an IV hooked up to the veins. When somebody comes and gives you a word of encouragement, it, 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 it encourages you. It builds you up. It strengthens you. And so this, what Haggai is sharing with the people, he is giving them these this latter sermon, but he is doing it in such a way God is using him to infuse his people. Give them hope. Give them strength. Let them know there's a better day coming. Let them know that I am the ultimate power. Let them know that in this race that they've been running, as we looked at last week, how are you running? In this race, I am here to strengthen you. I am here to be with you. I am in your midst. And so he gives this message through Zerubbabel, uh, through Haggai. Notice Haggai, he doesn't just flatter the people. He doesn't say, wow, this has been a really great building experience with you. I love how you put those stones so uniquely in place. You know, I love how you chose a, an assortment of sizes to give such a unique structure. There's nothing, re it, nothing spoken about the building of the temple, nothing spoken about their workmanship. He goes right to the crux to build them up. There's something better coming. But we need to pay attention to something important in these verses. He makes a shift. God makes a shift because all along he's been speaking to the people with J Joshua there. He's been speaking to the people with the priests there. He's been giving his message, but this time he uniquely is specifying Zerubbabel alone. And so each time we have seen Zerubbabel up to this point in chapter 1, it said this, verse 1. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetael, governor of Judah. Verse 12, the same thing, Zerubbabel's address, but it's along with Joshua. Then, then Zerubbabel, son of Shetael, Joshua, son of Josadak, um, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Then in verse 14 of the same chapter, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shetael, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. And so here we keep seeing Joshua, Zerubbabel, it, when, when a word is being spoken to the people, Zerubbabel is addressed, but along with others, Joshua, along with the people, or along with the priest, chapter 2, speak to Zerubbabel, verse 2, son of Shetel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Again, 
Verse 4 of the same chapter. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. And then, verse 20. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. That is where we are. And so there's been a message, but there has always been others that have been message, uh, mentioned in that message. But this time he specifies tell Zerubbabel this message is going to Zerubbabel because God is wanting us to know I have a one-on-one -on -one message to Zerubbabel but I'm giving a message to you inside of that message and here is what is unique to this message Zerubbabel comes from a bad lineage do you know the story of Zerubbabel his grandfather, if we were to go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 24 to 30, it says this. As I live, declares the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off. And give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those whom you are afraid of, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country were you not, were you not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they will long... But to the land they will long to return is this man, Kaniah, a despised broken pot, a vessel no one cares for. Why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land that they do not know? Oh, land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not succeed in his days for none of his offspring. And you need to mark note of this in your mind and in your Bible. For none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling Judah again. Right beside verse 29 in your Bible, write down Haggai 2 verse 23 it's a great thing to have a good name it's a great thing to to uh, have a name that people can associate you with but it is a burdensome thing when you have a name that doesn't come with a good reputation I was once um, in the dental office and a patient came in and and he, he checked in and he gave me his name and I said oh you are a, and I said their name, and, and right away he paused and he looked at me with great big eyes and he says, yes, but I'm not the bad one of that family. And I, and, and I was just kind of like taken aback. I was like, oh, okay, I, I didn't even know this family had a bad reputation, but I quickly learned that he came from a family in the city that had a very, very bad reputation for crime and all sorts of things. It's terrible to have a name that has a bad history. And this is Zerubbabel. God is wanting to encourage Zerubbabel because something is going to take place. 
There are times in the, in the life of a leader where God is going to encourage them. Moses felt that he wasn't ready to do what God had called him to do. And God had to speak into him and, and let him know that he was able to tell. What, Moses felt he had a stuttering problem. And so he felt ill-equipped for the job. Did not Jeremiah feel like perhaps he was too young for the job? And, and, and God had to reinforce Jeremiah and encourage Jeremiah. Even Gideon thought that he was not the right one for the battle. And yet God sent an angel to give Gideon a message. And what did the angel say to that Gideon that was hiding in the, in the um, oil press? What did he say to him? He says, Gideon, mighty man of valor. But Gideon thought he wasn't ready. He, who was he? He was part of the Midianites. And so there are times when spiritual leaders need to have encouragement. And this was a place that Zerubbabel was in. Because he had a lineage that was not something to be proud of. He had a story behind him. And he was a part of the one that was bringing the people in. And so you know what we learn right here? Number one, God will give us a new name. God will give us a new name. He will take that old identity that represented our past and our mistakes and our hardships, and he will restore it with a new name. And we see that specifically in this text that we just read in Jeremiah, because his great-grandfather, Kaniah, was cast off. God said, were the signet ring on my right hand, I would tear it off. This is what God said to Zerubbabel's great-grandfather. Uh, he said to him that there would be no offspring that would succeed sitting on the throne. This is God's message to Kaniah, Zerubbabel's grandfather. That's it. You're done. You're finished. Imagine if you were uh, Zerubbabel knowing this was what was in your DNA and you're leading the people of Israel. You're leading this tribe of Judah in to rebuild uh, the temple. And as I live, declares the Lord, verse 24 of Jeremiah, though Kaniah, son of Jehoiakim, King of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off. Kaniah would be given to the Babylonians. He, his, his mother would become exiles as well as himself. He would die in a foreign land, never being able to return to his home. His children would also be a part of exile. He would become a part of broken and despised he would be broken and despised among men and his his children would feel the full wrath of god who was zerubbabel's father shetael who was his father kaniah and here is zerubbabel in this very place of the scriptures and why it is so important and so as I said, it's really nice to have a great name, but that's not Zerubbabel's place today. He's not there because he deserved this position. 
He's there and he's feeling the weightiness. Can you imagine the people whispering amongst themselves? Well, did you know that his father, his father, did you know that God said? Imagine Zerubbabel laying on his bed at night, maybe overhearing some of these musings of people. Well, you know, listen. You know, I'm just going to confide this in you. But, you know, imagine Zerubbabel laying on his bed at night in, in, in his solitude and knowing that he is part of this group and bringing them back to rebuild the temple and knowing the backdrop of his life and knowing what he has overheard of the people talking and wondering, perhaps, God, really? Really, me? You've called me to this place to do this job? God gives a new name for the past that you feel represents you as despised, as cast off. The signet ring for God to say that he would tear that off. That very signet ring in biblical times represents authority. If a king was going to make a decree, his signet ring would go on that decree, and wherever that decree would travel, it carried the weight of that king's authority so that the people would know his signet is on it. It was as good as our signature today. And so they would immediately obey. And so any letter that was signed by a king with his signet ring proved that he was the signature behind it, proved that he was the power and the authority behind it. So when God calls Coniah a cast-off, it's speaking of his, his judgment. It's speaking of his wrath against Coniah's disobedience. And so now through Zerubbabel, God is going to break that judgment that was cast on him, that judgment that was made that only God could reverse because it was God who made it. And so here we see Kaniah was told, you're going to, you, neither you nor your children or your children's children are going to sit on the throne. But Haggai is now saying, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, Son of Shetael, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. Isn't that something powerful when God says to the offspring of, Zerub, uh, of um, Kaniah, I am going to make you like a signet ring. I am going to restore the name as only I can do. You see, your family bloodline speaks of a bad name. The, your past speaks of bad. The things that have occurred in the past speak of a different individual. But I am about to erase that judgment. I am about to make something new. And I am going to make you like a signet ring. And why is that? Because I have chosen you. I have chosen you. That's what, that's what he is saying to him. I have chosen you. The one who had a bad name. The one who was not chosen because of his lineage. 
is the one that God is going to show his grace through. He's going to turn his story around. Now when people see Zerubbabel, now it's going to be, but isn't he, wasn't he the son of who was the son of? And it's going to show the measure of God's grace as only God can do. Why? Because God takes those who are ashamed. God takes those who are broken. God takes those who have been cast off, who have been rejected, and he turns things around. So for Zerubbabel's grandfather, Kaniah, he was rejected by God. But Zerubbabel, he was accepted by God. All because God wants to do one thing. He wants to make the wrong that was a part of your past to make it right. So if you're, if you're feeling like a cast off thing, if you're feeling like a rejected thing, a judged thing, if you're feeling unloved or an object of wrath, God says this, bring your shame, bring your fears, bring your brokenness because I love you, I chose you, I value you. I want to, I, I will make you like a signet ring. You're my daughter, my son. I've picked you back up. What did we see in Ezekiel? I saw you in your blood place and I picked you up and I restored you. And this is what he is saying. Why? Why? Because he so loved the world. He so loved the world that what he sent his only son for what? That we, if we would believe in him, we would not perish. We would not be cast off, but we would have everlasting life. Why? Because the grand sum of it all is not just the restoring of Zerubbabel, not just the restoring of that broken line, that, that ugly past, that embarrassing story in the family's history that nobody wants anybody to know. It's about God saying, no, I have a better ending. It's about God saying, listen, this isn't just about this temple. There's a better temple that I'm looking to rebuild. There's another temple that I'm looking to restore. Your love tonight. He has chosen you. Another point that we can pick out of this, this, these three verses is that God gives us an eternal home for the hopeless. He has an eternal home for the hopeless. And it leads us to our final point. Why? Because let's go to our text again and read it. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn the royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shetael, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I've chosen you. 
So the beautiful book ends with a story of hope. He wants to wonder, God wants to leave us with this prophetic word that's going to empower us. This prophetic word that's going to, to infuse us in knowing that there is something to come. Something to come. You see? Why? Because he says this, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to overturn royal thrones. I'm going to shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. I'm going to overthrow chariots and their drivers. But he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Does this not bring us to Hebrews? And I don't think I gave this text to um, um, TJ, but go there for, with me. Hebrews chapter 12. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, well, let's go to verse, um, yeah, just go to 12, 12, verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And he goes on in verse 27, this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may return. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And, that thus, and thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Why? Because our God is a consuming God. God is saying, I am going to shake everything that can be shaken. And the only thing that will stand is that which can't be shaken. My word can't be shaken. I can't be shaken. The kingdom from which I come from cannot be shaken. This earth as we know it can be shaken. What I'm offering you is an eternal place that cannot be be shaken. What I'm offering you, no, no earthly power can build for you. What I'm offering you, no government can pass as a right or a law. What I'm offering you is something that only I could establish. And so God is pointing this out and we see the, the points. It obviously is pointing to the end time. Obviously, it's pointing to eschatology. And we're not going to get into any of that. But God is wanting to make the message clear that, that um, Zerubbabel, there's a time coming that everything's going to be shaken. And you know what? He's speaking directly to Zerubbabel, but the others can hear. And so it's offering them hope. It's like us. The word of God is here. We could read it. It was spoken to Zerubbabel, and yet it's still accessible for you and I to read the same word. Because why? God wants to give you and I the same message of hope today. That there is an eternal place. That we're, we're here en route to an eternal place. When I take away your bad lineage, when I take away your past with all of its garbage, with all of its embarrassment, with everything that you don't even want others to know about, when I remove that for, from you, it's because I have a greater hope for you, a greater home for you a greater plan for your life. And so God chose Zerubbabel. Why? Because Zerubbabel brings the reestablishment 
into the Davidic line. Now Zerubbabel, after Haggai, Zerubbabel is not mentioned anymore except for in Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verses 12 to 16 says, And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetael, and Shetael the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiyad, and Abiyad the father of Elakim, and Elakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zodak, and Zodak the father of Kim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and don't you like the names we have today? And Eliud the father of Elizar, and Elizar the father of Metham, and Metham the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. And so that's the next time we see that Zerubbabel's name is mentioned in the, in the Davidic bloodline. And so it's important that he is reestablished in that, in that signet ring because he comes to be mentioned to us as part of that Davidic line. So you see what the Lord does? Don't worry about the mess of your past. If you surrender it to me, I will restore you. Zerubbabel is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, what, proving that the, Zerubbab- that the restoration of Zerubbabel was really to restore the, uh, David's line through which Jesus would come. So God was picking back, picking up Zerubbabel, and taking that signet ring. And he was replacing only what God, God had spoken the wrath and the judgment against his grandfather. And only God could erase that wrath. And only God could erase that judgment. And that is only God could erase the judgment. And only God could course correct your life and my life. Only God can bring us into that place of restored fellowship with him. Only God can say, I chose you and I place my signet ring upon you. And so the, 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 the story of Haggai is not really just the story of rebuilding the temple. It's the restoring of the Davidic line. It's pointing us to know that there is a greater temple. There is a greater king and there is a greater temple. And that is Jesus Christ. So are you frustrated? Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel like, you know what? There is just no more sense. Everything about my life has been just a mess. God comes to restore. God comes to restore. Haggai encouraged the people to build the temple, not just for the purpose of their day, but for what was to come. Not what just what was to come, but for who was to come. And who was to come? It was Jesus. They weren't just building for the present. They were building for the promise. Who was the promise? The Messiah. And what would that Messiah do? He would come to offer us eternal 
life. That's why the second part of Zerubbabel uh, being pointed out was for us to know there is an eternal home. There is an eternal kingdom that God is establishing. So we can wrap it all up. We can wrap up the whole book of, of hey, guy, like this. Consider your ways. Prioritize your days. Do what is right and obey immediately no matter what. You remember that week when we talked about it? Obey God no matter what. On those days when your priorities get confused, on those days take courage, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Remember, number two, remember God will stir up your spirit just like he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Just like he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Joshua and all the people to do what was right. And what was right? To rebuild the temple. God is going to stir up your spirit. If you're going to go off course, he's going to stir up your spirit. But you know what? That you have to restore your temple. Your temple. God, what was that song that we used to sing years ago? God, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. How could we be, a, how could we be that temple? By surrendering to him. In those barren seasons when you get weary and well-doing and you can't see any success, take courage because you've built more than you see. See, they were building in the physical a temple, but it was more than what they were seeing because in the spiritual, they were building for the preparation of what was to come. No matter what you face or how you feel, take courage and work for what? God is with you. Haggai 2 and 4. So when the, the landscape of your life seems dotted and there seems to be some broken parts, you know what? Look to the Lord. Go back to Haggai. Read Haggai from the beginning to the end. Read it with the perspective of this. Now that you know that the grand sum of it all is Jesus. The grand sum of it all is for the building of that greater kingdom. The grand sum of it all is when we turn our eyes towards Jesus and we say, Lord, you know what? Just come and take up residence within me. That's why Corinthians says, know you not that you are a living temple? If, if we were to focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus being that temple and now we read Haggai into, in the perspective of rebuilding ourselves and we are looking towards the hope and the promise of our return Messiah, Haggai will have a whole different perspective. And you know what? In those bad days, when everything is falling apart and we've been planting ourselves into the wrong things, we'll be able to take hope. You know what? I'm going to keep on going because the Lord is with me. The Lord is in my midst. When my focus is on the wrong things, I could take courage because he is there. He is leading me. And he will, re he will say to me, it appears to you as nothing. But 
But so take courage tonight in all that we have seen in Haggai and now read it. Go home and read it. It's only going to take two and a half minutes maybe. Okay, five if you're a slow reader. And read the 38 verses in total with the perspective of knowing there's a soon coming king. And his name is Jesus. And you are that temple that he is residing in. And you know what? Day by day, you're building that temple. And you're working towards his kingdom. You're not cast off. You're not rejected. I don't care what your past is. If you have gone to the Lord, he will restore you. Father God, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for this study in Haggai. And we pray, Lord, as though we, we've only glossed over a few things throughout this Bible studies, oh God. And there's deeper things that we could have gone into. But Lord, as we go home and we read it on our own, would you open the eyes of our understanding to see the deep truths that you have for us? Would you open up the eyes of our understanding to know that we are loved by you and you are here to erase the wrongs of our past and to adorn us as you did with the, in Ezekiel. When you saw us in our mess and you took us and you cleaned us and you put on your jewels on us, oh God, because you have chosen us. So God, be glorified in your word and may we be diligent to read it over and over and see you in every living page in the mighty name of Jesus. powerful word we have tonight reminds me of the prodigal son when he came home his father was waiting for him showered him with kisses brought him into the house what did he do he gave him a robe put on some shoes and gave him a ring interesting restored his authority in his place we serve a great God let's all stand together please hallelujah